Okay, we are live with episode three, four, number three. three. This is three. Number three. Um, next week is four. Episode three of Addicts in Recovery, and since it is the last week of the month, what we are doing is we are bringing on guests to that we can get a, I guess, tr- quiz on what it is like to live in recovery. And so we have actually brought our friend on. This is Kevin. Say Hello. hi. Um, Kevin is in... How long have you been in recovery for now? Oh, uh, the better part of five years, I bet. Five years. That's a really long time. It is. Well, it's good to have you on here, Kevin. You, uh, you're lucky. You're number one. You're our first guest. Yay. <laughs> We chose, you, we chose you special for this episode. Because <laughs> when we have millions of listeners, they're going to be like, who is this Kevin guy? Like we him. <laughs> Where do we get his autograph? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so basically the format of this one is we're just going to ask, ask you a couple questions um, and kind of get a feel of what it's like in the life of someone who, who's doing this, like who's living in recovery and who's cool. doing well. So... Um, Mike, go ahead with your first question. Yeah, well, let's just jump into it. Uh, Life of active recovery. That's kind of what what Zach touched on. And obviously, there's all walks of life. Everyone has their own quest. Everyone has their own trail that they're following to, uh, you know, in this recovery pattern. And we just thought it'd be fun to bring you on and talk about it in your story. And let's see here. My first question I have for you is... Why did you choose to change? Like, what was it? Did you have like a like an aha moment, or like did you hit the rock bottom, or what happened? Like, tell me about it. So I I didn't actually. Um, <clears throat> I knew I had a drinking problem. I um, it was it was um, it, it was obvious to myself and everyone actually, but I didn't know it was alcoholism. Um, I knew I was drunk every day starting in the morning when I woke up and that I couldn't, I couldn't function without it. And, but I, I didn't, I guess I was just super naive. I didn't know that it was alcoholism. I thought alcoholism was something else. I thought alcoholism was what people had that, um, sat on the side of the street in a gutter and, or sign for food. And, yes, exactly. And I, I didn't know that, you know, I, I even had people tell me for years and years that um, I was an alcoholic, but I was, I just, I never equated that to myself. I, I thought that, uh, I thought that it, I had some kind of character weakness. <laughs> I, I didn't know it was, I know this sounds funny now, but I just, I just thought it was weak and I would be able to kick it someday, but it, it couldn't possibly be this thing that, that other people called alcoholism. Mm-hmm. Um, I lived in a house. I had a, a, a pretty decent job that I've always been able to maintain. I was a, I was a functional alcoholic. Um, so I, I didn't, I, I knew what alcoholism was. I just didn't know what that it applied to me mm-hmm. and my lifestyle, I suppose. If that makes any sense. Yeah, no, that does. Um, did you, with your work and in your life, I mean, how did it affect it? So, like, did your coworkers or people you're working with, did they ever like pull you aside, or like, did you ever have anybody all the that time. ever all the time, really? all the time, for years and years, actually? Um, 
but like, Kevin, you got to get your shit together. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, you're... yeah. I was. Um, I, I'm the I'm the guy that went to work with, um, and I was constantly sick. I was always making up reasons and excuses for um, uh, being late or. Um, I usually showed up to my job, but I would show up drunk and then I would just say, you know, gosh, I'm coming down with a cold. And I never realized that I said that just about every week. And, <laughs> and I'm serious. Or, or, you know, I have my blood sugar is really low yeah. or I have allergies super bad right now, you know, and it was like, you know, December and snowing outside. Right. They're like, so. they're like Kevin, <laughs> Kevin, you clearly smell like vodka. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a cold. <laughs> exactly. So, and what, what ended up happening is, um, um, I was at work one day and, um, my boss came up to me and said, um, uh, I was asked, I actually, I, I was asking him some questions about anxiety because mm-hmm. I was, I was going through so, so many anxiety attacks. I was popping Xanax like they were M&Ms. I could, I couldn't <laughs> leave the house without a bottle <laughs> in my pocket. Um, because um, the anxiety attacks would just completely make me dysfunctional. I couldn't. I would just completely close down. And um, <clears throat> I had mentioned anxiety to my uh, employer because he was in the area at the moment. I said, "Have you ever had problems with anxiety?" And and um, and he just said, "Hey, Kevin, can we talk for a second? And um, he he, uh, <clears throat> he said, um, "Look, I I." I think you might have a, a problem <laughs> with alcohol. And, you know, you, and, uh, when that when that happened, I mean, did you jump like straight into defense mode? Oh, bad. Where you're it like, was, you don't did know. Did I tell you the story already? Um, so what happened? You haven't told the listeners. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, I see. So what happened was, um, he he actually said, I I myself happened to go to the twelve step meetings, and um, um, he said it's. It's, it's called AA, and as a matter of fact, I'm going to one tonight, and you're welcome to join me. And <clears throat> I just looked him straight in, this, in the face and, and said, AA is for alcoholics, and I'm not going to one of those meetings. <laughs> and I, but I, my face literally flushed. I was red. Mm-hmm. I, was, I was really offended um, <clears throat> that someone had called me an alcoholic that... Um, I considered uh, above me in the stature of life. Sure. He was my employer, and he just called me out, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and um, and I, I literally yelled at him, and um, and I said, "I only drink at night." That's what I said, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> which was a total lie. But like, um, but uh, yeah, I just said, "I only drink at night," and um, and he just said, "Hey, calm down, calm down." I was just offering. Mm-hmm. And um, he said, it's okay, let's just drop it. And, um, um, and he walked out of the room. And for the rest of that day, it, it, it happened um, sort of midday on my work day. And um, I started, after I calmed down, I started spinning in my mind, oh my God, maybe I'm an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe I have this problem. And so are you saying that's like your first... That aha was, kind of change that moment. was that was my first aha I need to change something moment the rest of the time for the years before that I would literally spend time um, at home um, trying to not buy alcohol before I left for home after work or trying to maintain the amount that I had at home while I was drinking um, praying that I could stop drinking I don't know what's wrong with me 
I, why can't I not do this? But like I said, I, I didn't know it was alcoholism. I just figured I was going to, I just figured I would just die from it, really. <laughs> just, but, but, um, but that's, but when I, when I understood the way let, I Let me back up for a yeah. second. So you said, I wanted to touch on this, the quantity of, okay. the, of having it around you. Okay. Because I struggled with that as well. And okay. it was hard to like... Mm-hmm. I wanted it. I not. I wanted to know where it was. I right. needed to. What What were like some of your habits in that way? So, um, <clears throat> yeah, I was a hoarder of it basically um, because I was always afraid of running out. Um, I never had enough mm-hmm. of it. Um, so I would, <clears throat> even though um, I would tell myself, you know, hey, I, you know, today I'm buying um, three bottles or you know, four boxes of wine or cause I had tried every single, you know, tried <laughs> shifting alcohols thinking, you know, I tried the artsy thing. Well, maybe I'll drink wine and it'll be artsy and acceptable. Right. Yeah, I will learn how to paint. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So you justify your problem. I, it's like, I did. Um, I even bought wine books that I never read. And, never, yeah, and, <laughs> and um, but I, I was constantly obsessed on whether I had enough at home. Okay. Um, <clears throat> Or I'd, I would buy so much the first day thinking, okay, this will last me. And then uh, uh, I would drink it all until there was only, you know, a couple glasses left for the next day. And then I would, you know, have to buy more and then stockpile and stockpile. Sure. And once I had, once I had, you know, like a certain amount at home, I felt safe. Like my whole life felt safe, actually, as long as I had enough to drink. Sure. Does it feel good now that you've been sober for as long as you had and actually see some of these same patterns that you see through other people and you're like, okay, like this is really a bigger it's, deal than I thought. This oh, is yeah. everywhere. Completely. And I'm not alone in the way the pattern, this pattern is. So I was, <laughs> I was completely floored when I started um, going to meetings and listening to people talk um, that other people had this exact same process. Problem. Yeah, <laughs> this, this exact same, they did the exact same thing. Yeah. Um, I thought I was the only person on the planet that did these things. Yeah. Um, like um, uh, stashing alcohol. Sure. In case someone tried to take it away, I would always have three or four different places where they didn't know where it was hidden. Well, the, the, one of the problems I, I had was was trying to throw it away because eventually like my wife would see cans in the garbage can and she'd be like, whoa, there's a lot more cans than I thought that there were that you said you were drinking. Right. So pretty funny, quick story. I... When I was building my house, I had all these fence posts that were, you know, vinyl white posts. And, I, and at night, I would go drink and I'd go throw the cans inside those posts. Brilliant. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah. Just because I was like, I got to get rid of them. God, you know, they're going to be in the ground. Uh-huh. So this is, a, this is the irony of the whole thing. So the, the fence subcontractor came over to my house and to install all of the panels. <laughs> like a couple weeks later, and he's like, Mike, you're not going to believe this. And I was like, what? And he's like, you got to come outside. He's like, every one of your fence posts has like at least a 12-pack of cans in each one. Right. And I was like... Those you, bastards. I'm like, because the neighborhood, there was a lot of construction going on. So I just like instantly blamed on the construction workers. I'm like, man, those drink, those guys, those construction workers must have a drinking problem. <laughs> you know? Right. It's just, it's just so, how fast I even, when he asked me that and kind of was talking to me about it, I just jumped the other way. It's like, it's everyone else's problem. It's not my fault. Right. You know, it was, it was funny. <laughs> really funny. I remember trying to, uh, to uh, smash up my empty cans and I'd put them in a, like a Walmart bag and I would take, I'd put them in my car and take them to the gas station to throw them away mm-hmm. so that the people in my home wouldn't see them in my own garbage can. 
like the, the just the, the amount. You're definitely not alone. <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> but yeah, it's, but it's like you know, just to answer that that question, uh, um, that first question, that is when I decided that um, <clears throat> if somebody else that was intelligent and had a job and um, that I looked up to could recognize that I was an alcoholic and that he thought, you know, he felt like he had the same problem, then it was possible that, that that's what it was. It was alcoholism, and so. Um, I, I didn't like jump immediately into recovery. I mm-hmm. actually went home and, um, I, I, first off, I thought I was going to lose my job because I just screamed at my boss <laughs> and, <you're> fired. <laughs> right. and I, I went home and I, I opened up my laptop and I Google, I Googled AA to find out exactly what it is. Um, and what they stood for. I had heard of it my entire life. As a matter of fact, when I was a younger adult, when I was like 18, 19, I was court ordered quite a few times to go to AA meetings because of my drug use, like in school and mm-hmm. like some other, you know, ludicrous things I had done when I was a teenager. And I had gone to those meetings before, but I, I never understood what they were because I was always hired drunk when I went. Mm-hmm. And they, as a matter of fact, they would come up to me and say, um, hey, have you been reading the big book? Do you have a big book? And I would say, yeah, I have one at home. And I, I never knew. I probably went to AA for the equivalent of maybe a year, like I'll put together. Mm-hmm. And I never knew that there was a big book of AA. I thought they were talking about the Bible like the entire time. Yeah, I would just say, yes, thank you. I have one of those. I have a book at home. <laughs> yeah. But I, I Googled AA and started reading about it. And there's a little test that you can take on their main page website. And I, I went through and I actually clicked the little boxes that applied to me mm-hmm. and then it kind of gives you a, a result and I think mine said something like you know, congratulations yeah because yeah. you're fucked yeah, yeah. Code. a banner a banner flies across like yeah. congratulations <laughs> right. you are an, an alcoholic right right <laughs> code red get involved yeah and um and if if if, if the way I looked at it if, if he knew a way out um I was going to do anything possible to mm-hmm. follow him out of the hole that I was in because I, I, I was utterly and totally miserable. But you must have like really respected him. I did. If you had, if somebody had that type of power over it, not power, but vibe, what would you say? Vibe? I just had a lot presence. of respect presence. for him. Yeah. yeah presence. Yeah. So, I mean, he was my employer and, um, you know, he owned, he owned the business that I was working at and so um, I guess I just viewed him as a, an intelligent mm-hmm. uh, <clears throat> a person that knew what he was doing. You know, I, re- I realized later that, you know, in the program, really no one knows better what they're doing than anybody else other than some people succeed. And so you do what the successful ones do. But if, if, if he knew a way to not drink and still be alive, then I was going to follow the secret. I also didn't... Um, Felt like, well, until I, until I can maybe admit that I'm an alcoholic, you know, because maybe I, I kind of thought, well, maybe I have a problem that's so similar to alcoholism. I can go to these meetings and actually gain something out of it <laughs> and still not be an alcoholic. <laughs> you know? Just, I don't, you just didn't want the label. Right. Yeah. I didn't want the label. But I didn't, I, I, before, before that conversation actually took place, before somebody came and, and told me about the problem, I, I honestly couldn't conceive of more than 
going maybe a day without drinking. Okay. So uh, digging a little deeper, what what are the benefits that you have seen uh, because of the because of making this decision to change like in your life? So say in your in your relationships, um, what have, what have they gotten stronger, or maybe some relationships have you know fallen off? Um, what about so yeah? What are some benefits? Things like that. Benefits. Um, so there's so many benefits. It's hard to to, to say. I. I've had I've had people ask me questions like that before. Well, they'll they'll come and say, well, you know, is this better? Is that better? And after a while of being sober, um, <clears throat> you forget how much better that it is because, in a way, it's so different that it's simply not comparable anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> I I and 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 you forget where you were because things are so much better all the time, you know? I mean, there's, of course, there's still, you know, like hard days and, you know, bad shit happens to good people and stuff like that. But um, the benefits, I've never, I don't think I've ever been this healthy in my entire life. I'm 49. And um, before my, most of my time was eaten up by Spending my time alone in the garage drinking, <laughs> like after work. Um, the thought of, I, I remember somebody when in very, very early recovery, they were talking about going hiking and I was, and I was thinking, I can't, and they pointed at a trail on a mountain, actually, we were driving by it. And I said, there's no way I could hike up a hill like that. I'm not healthy enough. And, um, and they said, but you are healthy enough. You just don't see yourself as being hmm. healthy enough. And, and, um, I went and I tried it and I, and, uh, and, and I survived. <laughs> and I went, oh my gosh. I, just, I, I, live, I live right next to the mountains and I'm not sure that I ever realized what the mountains were for. Mm-hmm. They, were, they were just, you know, to mark an eastwardly direction. And um, so I, I, picked up, I picked up mountain biking. I picked up hiking. I picked up yoga right away. I just, I, I got very involved in taking care of myself. Um, no, no one tells you that when you stop drinking that suddenly there's 72 hours in every day. Mm-hmm. Um, there's all this time that you, that you have sober that you didn't, you weren't aware of when you were drunk because you, you know, you were drunk. Well that, but your patterns as well. I remember my therapist when I was in rehab, he said, I was telling about all these like weird stories of where I'd hide and this and all these trails of how to find my alcohol. And he was just like, Mike, think about how much time you were wasting inside your brain <laughs> and what you actually could accomplish in, a, in an actual day. You know, he's, right. he's like, you're just, you're like a Houdini. Right. Yeah. Use that to benefit you, not hurt you. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. So as, as far as benefits, I, I would say the, 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 when, when, sorry, when they talk about God shots in AA, I'm mm-hmm. sure you've heard of those. Um, I've decided that a lot of those are when things suddenly make sense. Because I would say the, the biggest benefit, one of the biggest benefits that I've, I've gotten out of quitting drinking is my ability to follow a straight line of thought to the end, from a beginning to end. To be able to to think out a problem all the way through, mm-hmm. and when things start to make, I know, right? <laughs> it's incredible. It really so is. Awesome. When 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 um when I think when that first started, you know, your mind starts to heal, your brain starts to uh, 
to, to be able to channel um, thoughts more clearly, it literally seems miraculous. It, it literally feels like, like uh, a, a moment of clarity that can only be attributed to a higher power. And, and I, sometimes I wonder um, that people that don't have addiction problems or chemical dependency problems live in that state of mind all the time. You know, and they just was, take it for granted. No, because no. to think clearly <laughs> is just one of one of the most precious gifts out of this I've gotten. Well, I think I think you forget. You know, you forget what life is about. You forget those small, simple things that like progress you, move you, and then you cloud that with addiction, and then you start regaining that. It feels so much like so much clarity is around you. Just like, like I'm having fun again. Right. I'm enjoying life again. Like waking up in the mornings, not like throwing up in the, and, right. and just trying to, you know, puke it out to get it rid of it. But like you wake up and you're like, let's, let's do this. Right. <laughs> this is my day. Yeah. And it's nice to have the, the mind racing toned down, mm -hmm. you know, um, being able to have a gentle thought or, um, just being able to sit at peace with yourself for, any amount of time sure you know without being under some kind of sedation <laughs> or yeah <laughs> you know, if you, you know even if you can get five minutes of just a restful mind it's it's it's, it's well worth the whole journey journey you know? yeah so, so i want to go back just a little bit and okay. before we go on to this next question you were talking about how it's easy to forget how miserable it was um it is. just a little bit ago it is. Um, and, and like what Mike was saying, sometimes we forget. Well, I guess it depends. I, I had been habitually using I mean, whatever I could get my hands on since I was a kid. I didn't really have that whole come back to reality thing. It was like reality smacked me in the face. Um, but as far as long, longer term sobriety, what are you doing? Like, what do you do to help keep yourself on, I guess, a level of awareness so that you don't forget how bad it was? So, um, I was introduced to um, the AA route. That is definitely not um, the only route. I think you can find sobriety in many different avenues. In the in the the, the route that I uh, I was introduced to, it just happened to work for me. <clears throat> so um, so I I I follow that way. Um, one of one of the things in my program on how to stay sober and how to remember actually how bad it got without reminding myself by going there mm -hmm. is to listen to other people's stories in new recovery. Um, and so I, I go to meetings to be, and there's always the shaky guy that just walked in that can't say his own name. And he's, and, and you know, when, when they do start to speak, I think, wow, that's where I was. That's where I don't want to go back to you know and it makes me grateful for my own recovery and the the, the time that I have um, another <clears throat> another way um, I suppose although it wasn't on purpose is I happened to work at a rehab and um, a drug and alcohol rehab and um, I get to see this, this the same faces and see or the same people with the same problems come in and I can see the changes coming over them and and um, and yeah, that's how I get reminded of it. So I got a question kind of tying into that. Okay. Describe like your first day 
being sober to your first week to month to year. Let's just talk about that. Okay. So my first day being sober, I hated it. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to tell these people. Shocking. <laughs> it's like a heart attack. So <clears throat> fuzzy in the head. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, I, I don't know if I want to do this. Um, that kind of a thing. Uh, I, I wouldn't have been able to do it on my own. I, not with the... I would have I would have been able to go for, without a drink for a day on my own. I had done it before. Um, it's because it was a Sunday and the liquor store was closed. Yeah, either <laughs> that. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Either that or literally my body was so beat up that I, I physically couldn't take another day of drinking. I had to have at least, you know, eight hours off. Mm-hmm. So... <laughs> Um, but you know, I, I, I hear sometimes people telling stories of, you know, like, oh yeah, I, I you know, recovery is great. And you know, when you first get sober, everything's wonderful and whatever that's, that wasn't my story. And I kind of, it's, when, when people tell me those kind of things, I wonder what they're trying to sell me because <laughs> my, <laughs> um, it's, it's rough. Mm-hmm. It's a big mental mind game. Um, and not and not just mental. It's it's severely physical. Um, <clears throat> I can't remember exactly how long it took for the shaking to go away. I don't remember, or you know how how to keep my food on a fork. Um, <clears throat> I remember going to to my first meeting. Um, and I went, I was having a cup of coffee and it was just spilling all over my hands and this guy, and I was so embarrassed, you know, and this, this, this guy next to me reached over and he, he, he grabbed my, my hand and held my hand the entire time and didn't let go the entire meeting. Wow. And, um, at what point were you like, okay, this is kind of awkward. I was awkward, but I, it was even more awkward when he was talking to me, telling me that, that he wanted me to take me to the emergency room because he thought I was going to go into seizure. And I was like, I just want to get out of here. Like, <laughs> you know. Um, but it, it mellowed out. First off, I, the, I think what, what made it um, bearable to me is I had someone to talk to okay. about it. Um, so I, was, I had met, I didn't go to AA meetings right away when that happened at work. Um, it took me about two weeks. I kept saying, I'm gonna be done when all the alcohol in my house is drank. And I remember I had a box of Franzia, um, <laughs> that wine, mm-hmm. you know, cause I'm, you know, super artsy that way. <laughs> and and, and um, I found out which wine had the highest alcohol content and bought that for the flavor. And <laughs> to, pair it, to pair it with your salmon and your asparagus. Exactly. And, um, and, and for some reason, it would just never run out mm-hmm. because I just kept buying more before it ran out. And so that way, um, I didn't have to commit. <laughs> and, but I finally just said, I, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm going to go. I'm going to give this a try. And I, and I had met a couple of people. It was really odd. Um, because I kind of started like whispering to a couple of people at my work, hey, I think I'm going to quit drinking. And they'd be like, oh, this one guy, like he goes to meetings and he's an alcoholic and you should talk to him. And it, and it turns out there was like maybe eight people where I worked that were in recovery and I wow. never knew. I had no idea. 
And so I started kind of talking to them, like very... So that took you about like the, what, the first month-ish? About the, the first month. Okay. And, um, and then I, and when I had kind of built a, a small base of people to talk to about it is when I, when I said, I'm going to, I'm going to go okay. to my first meeting. And I went and, uh, the, and I, I talked to somebody probably 20 times in a text that first day. Um, and then as, as it progressed, um, the, the first day wasn't the hardest. I, I, I bet the first, towards the end of the first week, it became harder, mm-hmm. even for me. Um, I remember um, texting and talking to people and calling them on the phone um, because in order to buy, I, I, I couldn't do it 24 hours at a time. I, sometimes I had to do it 15 minutes at a time. Um, <clears throat> I would walk down the stairs and then walk up the stairs and pace. And I remember thinking, my God, I, I just stayed sober for the amount of time it took me to walk down a flight of stairs. Wow. So I bought myself that 37 seconds of sobriety. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, um, well, you told me, you told me one time too, with Zach in my, we talked about this a while ago that you said, uh, that you, when you fill up your car with gas, you would not go into the gas station. I did. I, rem- I remember that. And somebody gave me that advice one time and it stuck because I, I, I couldn't pass a gas station um, without what I, what I used to do is I'd walk into a gas station, go get beer, mm-hmm. uh, a couple 30 packs and, um, and then pay for my gas. Um, I had to, I, I, I couldn't conceive of walking into a store and not shopping for beer at the same time or you know, something to that effect. And so, and, and it's funny, this, this guy used to say, um, he used to say at meetings, he was a character. He used to say, um, about going into a, a, a liquor store, he used to say, well, why would you go to a horror house and order a ham sandwich? <laughs> and I, and I hated that. I thought it was like the grossest line, yeah. but it's true. <laughs> you know, I have no <laughs> business. I have no business being, in a liquor store or around the beer aisle if I'm not there to buy beer or liquor. Right. So why would I walk in there? So I, I stopped um, going into the store uh, to pay for my gas. I bought it at the pump. I really had no reason to, to go in there if I was just going to get gas. Yeah, that's interesting. And it helped a lot. Um, when well, I, it's just, you start cutting back your habits. Right. Just changing changing what I did from... From day to day, um, I also stopped. This sounds insane, but I I had to stop for just a little while um, doing the things that I normally associated with drinking, like mowing the lawn and my riding lawnmower. Um, <laughs> because I, I had never done it sober before. Isn't that incredible? I had never done. It was like my drinking time on the, yeah. on the lawnmower. I knew every place on that riding lawnmower that I could I could put a tall boy. No. You know, and it was incredible. I was, I was super talented. And as soon as you're sober, <laughs> as soon as you're sober, all of your lines were perfectly straight. <laughs> right. But, you know, I, and I had people, and, and I'm not the only one that was like that, that had to actually let my lawn get pretty tall for, <laughs> and ask other people to mow my, my lawn because it was so triggering for me. Wow. And I've had, did ask, uh, I've had other people say, look, I can't, I can't fold my laundry sober. I don't, I don't know how to do it. It's super triggering for me. And I'd be able to let it, Maybe you're going to have to wear wrinkled clothes for a while <laughs> because it's better to wear wrinkled clothes for a while and stay, stay sober long, yeah. long term. So oh, That's good. 
Yeah. Has it when it, when so we were talking kind of about the first week and then the first month, mm-hmm. um, and how you really had to have this almost heightened level of avoidance of certain places, of certain things, of I certain did. people. Yes. Um. At, do you still? I think this is a really good point to emphasize. Do you still have that heightened sense of awareness, or can you? Um, in the point where you're at now, can you go hang out with, with friends who, who have been drinking? Can you walk into a gas station and buy a soda and not have to worry about getting a beer? Yes. And, the, and it's funny that you even like brought that to a point because I remember the first time that I went grocery shopping and I didn't look at the price of a 30-pack. Like to, to see if it was on sale, and I I walked out and it literally like hit me like a ton of bricks. I just went to the grocery store and I didn't even walk down the barrel beer aisle. I literally got chips and bread and milk and shit like a normal person. I'm sorry, <laughs> I just swore. We but, say shit. I, I was gonna say <laughs> okay. I've dropped the f bomb so yeah. many times oh, on okay. this thing. Good. Um, <laughs> but um, that was really surprising to me. That was and I and I noted it as a a milestone. That I and that I can walk into a gas station, <laughs> and I just I don't even think about going into the the beer cooler, or um, I don't think about. Um, I used to sit at AA meetings and and um, look at the clock and think, when this meeting's over, the the liquor store is going to close. And wow. <laughs> yeah, you know, knowing the hours like, and <laughs> yeah, knowing the hours and like, well, if I you know if I left this meeting like in fifteen minutes, I could <laughs> you know what I mean, and um, but I don't notice anymore. I have no I have no business, um, being in, in I I don't have to tell myself I have no business. I just don't I don't think of it anymore. So know? within your first year, I mean, did you start feeling more comfortable about like four or five months, six months, seven months into it? I mean, when did you start feeling like you could kind of take a deep breath and be like, okay, I really am doing this. I'm making a real effort of changing. Yeah, I I don't know um, how many months, like I couldn't tell you, you know, like it was at six months or whatever. Um, But I did, um, I I had a really hard time with people coming to my house uh, for barbecues and things like that. People that I normally associated with would come over and, um, and would drink pretty heavily. Um, I had noticed right away that I just I couldn't have it past the threshold of my door. Mm-hmm. Um, if they wanted to, to drink outside and have a beer, like if I had a barbecue or whatever, um, they could drink outside. Um, but once it was in my home and somebody was holding a beer or a cocktail um, at the dining room table in my home, it was a really, it was a problem for me. Hmm. Um, it just looked really good. It looked like it belonged in my home and I it just it was a problem and so I would ask you know hey would you mind like taking that outside and um and then I quickly started um realizing who respected that and who didn't well kind of to tie tie into that did you actually tell like your friends family close people like of what you were doing because you didn't you didn't go to like a 30-day treatment and everyone was like okay where's kevin is he he's obviously gone what happened to him right but did you when did you feel comfortable doing that after about six months (laughs) i was really (laughs) because i in 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 all honesty i didn't think it was going to work um i wanted it to work very badly I was curious, but I didn't want to um, do it and, and, you know, give it a try, tell everybody, and then fail. So um, I, I remember I even, I even hid 
my book and anything that I had related to alcoholism, re alcoholism recovery, I, I was hiding it from my daughter. I was hiding it through um, from my other half at home. Um, <clears throat> I had talked uh, briefly with him about that, and um, um, he, he didn't think it was going to work either, and he thought it was a bad idea, frankly. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so I, I wasn't comfortable. I, at six months... Um, after I had proved I could do it for six months, which was huge. I don't want to even underestimate, you know, what a month is when you've been um, under the slavery of alcoholism for any length of time. That's, it was, it was massive for mm -hmm. me. Um, and uh, after, after six months, I, I finally let people know that I was in recovery and, and <clears throat> um, that I wasn't drinking anymore and, and everybody said, yeah, we noticed, <laughs> you know, like Obviously. People, people that I didn't drink around, um, uh, everybody but were, knew. Were you upset something. with any of them? Or like, why didn't you tell, tell me earlier? Were, were, the, were any of them upset with me? Yeah. Um, you're like, obviously you noticed, but no. not that it was their responsibility, but did I, I just no, 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 you know, nobody was upset with me about it. I, I, I was, I was afraid to tell people not, not only because I was afraid it wasn't going to work, but I was afraid of them judging me. Um, which is so, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I can be, a, that seems you know, so backwards with you knowing you as long does. as I have, I'm like, whoa. I was, I was afraid of them, um, knowing, I was afraid of what they would think, um, when I told them that I was an alcoholic, mm -hmm. I was afraid of the judgment. And it's so funny because I could be, you know, um, a loud, sloppy, piss myself drunk and not be afraid of what they thought of me. Right. <laughs> but, but when I got sober, I was afraid of what they were going to think of me, you know, where before I was numbed out and didn't really care what they thought. That's something really, really powerful because you're obviously, I, I could, I, I mean, it's, it's not hidden that you're, that you can't be the only one that thought about that. Right. Um, that they all knew, I mean, people were constantly coming up to me and telling me like, I have a problem. I have a problem. And now I'm almost embarrassed to let them know that I addressed that problem. Because right. then I, because then it, it shows me as someone with almost a defect, someone different than other people. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and I'm a separate entity and nobody wants to be separated. Nobody wants to be. And I think that that is, that's a huge part of the, the stigma that comes with addiction and with alcoholism is we uh, addicts and alco addicts, alcoholics, I think it's the same thing, um, are, are different or are less than what normal people in society are when in reality we just make that shit up in our heads um and i think you put it really well of how absurd that sounds out loud it's of, super contradictive i don't give a sh like i don't give a shit about whether you judge me when i'm drunk but i am terrified of you finding out that i got sober Right, and right. people people think that way. They do, and, and I mean, we all laugh about it now, but it's a very valid thing. And right. so, I really wanted. I thought that was really you. You you put that really well. Nice. I like that. Cool. Yeah, I think it might be the difference of um, um, being a, fi a failure and hiding behind your pride, 
And then that sense of vulnerability when you have to come out behind that pride and say, I need help. That's, that's you know, and when you, say, when, you, when you make yourself vulnerable in that way is when you become subject to the fear of someone's judgment of, well, why do you need help? You're like a failure at being a successful alcoholic. <laughs> right. you, know, like, <laughs> you know, I, you know, it's, 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 it's an odd, it's an odd anomaly. And I think it, 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 it keeps a lot of people, um, um, in, in their addiction, in active addiction, because they're too afraid to come out and say, well, I think I think a lot of people just get like really comfortable with it too. They're like, "This is my lifestyle. These are my friends. This is what I'm doing." Sure. And like to actually make that change, that was what was hard with me. I talked to Zach about this last week. Was like telling my wife that of saying, "Hey, like I don't, I can't imagine myself going to like a New Year's party with a bunch of friends and like not having champagne or something." Right. Right. It's just it's very different to like right. come to that realization of how hard that is, or like a peer pressure. Well, what's wrong? Why aren't you doing this? You have right. a problem? Exactly. Yeah, I, I didn't have to make it too big of a, an adjustment as far as like, um, um, I, I was I was afraid that I was going to have to like ban certain friends from coming to my house, um, and that that is, um, recovery can be lonely, um, it because unless you start reaching out to other people in recovery and realizing that they have the same problem as you. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, <clears throat> because I, I didn't really have to ban anybody that I did drugs with or um, drank heavily with from coming over because when they realized that I didn't have any alcohol or drugs, they just stopped anyway. <laughs> so, <laughs> they were, so they were real friends yeah. then. Yeah. Right? Exactly. Real, true friends. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? You're not drinking anymore? Oh, oh weird. Okay, well, I'm going to be busy for the next <laughs> nine years. So, yeah, I didn't... <clears throat> well, that problem kind of took care of itself. Um, it seems like it does, too. I mean, people get really worked up on, oh, I have to find new people to talk to, or, right. you know, how am I going to ever abandon my friends? Especially younger people in recovery have a really hard time giving up their friends. Right. And, I mean, I was the same way. Somebody told me, you have to find a new friend group. And I told them, fuck off. These are my friends. Right. And I acted like there wasn't 7 billion other people in the world to become friends with. Right. I was like, these are the only people I have, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and they're all these toxic people. And in reality, I didn't necessarily need to abandon them or, or anything like that. Because either they would stop hanging out with me because I wasn't drinking. I wasn't using. I was no longer fun. Um, or I would just keep them at bay, you know, and keep them at arm's distance. So I didn't completely stop talking to them. I, I just, I, I would see them, but I'd see them in a public space or I would see them on my terms. I wouldn't like end up alone at their house on a Friday night because this is really fucking bad as, you know, walking <laughs> into the whorehouse. Um, and so I really like, I love that analogy. Yeah. <laughs> That's such a good analogy. Um, but it's it, it's true the find, reaching out and finding people and actually opening your mouth and saying something how powerful that is because a lot of people do get lonely they um, do. and they they don't recognize the power of just sticking your hand out and shaking you know sticking your hand out and shaking somebody's hand introducing yourself they, right. or sharing at a meeting people are so terrified to share at a meeting but sure. then that gives somebody an automatic in to talk to you and right. you don't even have to approach them. Half the time they'll approach you. Right. Just 
opening your mouth is, is it, it's such a huge deterrent on on that whole loneliness thing. Right. So I think also a lot of a lot of that comes from, and I battled with that um, for a long time. Um, when when my friends, my so-called friends, left because I wasn't drinking or drugging anymore, I uh, had a really hard time finding friends, um, mostly because um, when I when I started going to these meetings, I uh, um, I could I could barely even say my own name. Um, I was too afraid to speak up. I was too afraid to um, to talk about what I was going through in my recovery. Um, a lot of that, um, and they teach you this in 12-step programs, is, um, and it's part of an addictions and an addict's way of thinking, is that I'm unique. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I'm unique. I'm the only one going through this. Even if they're saying they're they're going through this, it's it's obviously not the same because I'm the I'm unique. Like you know, I'm the only one feeling this way, so I I, I can't speak up at a meeting. And anybody that's been to twelve step meetings <clears throat> where they sit um, in silence because nobody wants to say anything, and and you're and you're thinking to my you know I'm thinking to myself, well I can't, I can't say anything because I don't have any, I don't have anything to say that anybody would relate to or want to hear because you know I'm so unique. Sure. Um, it, the funny thing is, is everyone in that room is thinking that exact same oh, yeah. thought, and that's why nobody's saying <laughs> yeah. anything. And that's how unique you are. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's pretty like easy when you think about it, like kind of tying back in what Zach said. I went to a doctor and asked him for advice of how to stop drinking, and he told me, Mike, you got to be honest with your friends and let everybody know that's around you of what of your of your scenario. And he says. If your friends at that point don't respect your level of what you're actually trying to accomplish in your life, they are not your friends. Right. Avoid them. Right. If they're if they, if you're saying, "Hey, I am not drinking anymore," and they're laughing at you, saying, "Oh, yeah, right, Mike. Here you go. Here's another beer." Right. They're not. That's not a true friend. Sure. You know, mm-hmm. and I and I listened to him, and I was obviously like in the middle of this massive fog where I was drunk still and mm-hmm. I was like listening to this doctor and I was like this is so simple and so stupid like how in the world am I not figuring that one out it's pretty like common sense it's right. either <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> good but, you know, friend bad friend <laughs> right right but you really don't start to get that until after you're like you get a little bit of sobriety time on you and things start to clarify and you're yeah. going oh I get it you know right <laughs> so the last thing you want to hear um from somebody that's sober is their advice on how to get sober right. when you're not sober, <laughs> you know? So until, until you get like a, a few days and you start clarifying in your mind, like, like I said, those thought, those clear thoughts start coming through and you're like, Oh, I get it now. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So. so before we started today, Kevin was actually on the ground in my kitchen, uh, doing yoga he was stretching, <laughs> getting ready for this. And I just wanted to talk to you about kind of your structure of recovery, like activities, things that you do, what keeps you like going? Do you have a structure? Um, so my, my structure is, um, I'm busy by design. Um, I keep myself, uh, very active. Um, I, I did, I, I did pick up yoga and the reason is, is some people in meetings, um, you'll see their, their sense of peace and, um, I decided that when, when, when I got into sobriety, I kind of wanted, I, I, I wanted a little bit of an aim to, to like, what, I, what do I want to get out of it? Mm-hmm. And um, 
what's 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 come to me more strongly than ever is I want peace of mind. I'm not sure that I, you know, I actually thought that I wanted like millions of dollars. And if I got sober, <laughs> like I, you know, maybe I would get it. And I, I can't even tell you how many, you know, times I checked the mailbox to see if there was a check from God saying, hey, wait, <laughs> you know, wait, way to go. Here's five grand or something. Yeah. But it, that never happened. <laughs> and um, Shocking. So I, start, <laughs> so I, I started um, seeing certain, certain things um, uh, uh, around the table uh, of sober people. And, and, and I would say, you know, I want that. Mm-hmm. This is, you know, somebody who looked calm and, and at peace with themselves and could talk um, like in a, in a very, you know, clear way. And, and then, so I would start trying to find out, you know, what, what do you do? Mm-hmm. And, um, and then taking bits and pieces of, you know, I, I met this guy, um, he was in these meetings and he would have like, the, just the way he talked came from such an inner peace. And um, he was a recovering alcoholic meth addict. And, um, <clears throat> and I started asking about him about what, what he does and, and he did, uh, he did yoga. And I, I was like, well, I don't really know exactly what yoga is, but I'll, you know, I'll give it a shot. And it's brought me a lot of peace and it works hand in hand for me um, with meditation and teaching myself how to, how to sit with myself in a, in a quiet way without my mind scrambling all together. And so I did pick up yoga. It makes, it makes me feel really, really good. What about like reading, meditating? Um, so... <clears throat> Um, meditating, I'm super bad at it. I, I do do it from time to time. I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna tell you that I do it every day. Um, it's funny. I will come up with the most ridiculous reasons why not to meditate. When <laughs> did you catch yourself actually doing it? Yeah, I, you know, I super needed a cup of coffee. I'll meditate in a minute. You know, um, but when I do do it, I feel better. My entire day goes better, even if I can only find five minutes. Um, to meditate, it's it's a good mental recharge. What is better? Like so, so a lot of people when when they when they associate happiness, they associate it with the fun kind of drunk feeling, you know, or, or where you're having a great time and you're laughing and you you have no care in the world and la da da da. da. Uh-huh. When in reality, that's more more joy and more fun than it is better what, what is your version of what do you consider as better well I know this is going to sound a little bit weird but I'm not sure that that fun and joyfulness and laughter is the point <clears throat> at least it's it's not become the point for me um, the point is to get to a place of this is my story. This is just for, this is what works for me, is to get to a mindset of a place where I can attain joyfulness and laughter. And so it's 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 getting to a a place a a peace of mind where I'm okay about my day, and then I can go from there to seek joyfulness and laughter. Or I can I can get to a place where I can think about a problem and work it all the way through. That's not joyfulness and laughter, but it's something that needs to be done. And um, or get to a place where I can deal with um, 
thoughts and feelings of anxiety and learn and learn how to control it. That's not joyfulness and laughter and fun either. But there, it's it, it runs on the same equivalent of things that I need. So as as long as I can get into the into that center where I feel okay about my day and about where I am at, I'm okay with the way I feel. I can handle things like grief um, if someone near me dies um, without thinking about you know going out. That's not joyfulness and laughter either, but it's just as important. And so <clears throat> getting, getting to that place where I'm okay about the way I feel right now. I don't feel like I need to alter the way I feel at the moment. It's just the way I feel is the way I need to feel <clears throat> right now. And um, um, yeah, does that answer your question? No, that's a really that's good, really good yeah. answer. <laughs> yeah, that really hit. Yeah, hit the point. Okay, good, good job. <laughs> <laughs> so we are just about out of time. Uh, it goes faster than you think, huh? Yeah, it went really fast. <laughs> <laughs> so the last question that we have is to people that are listening. Uh, there, there's going to be people that are. Later on in recovery, there will be people that are early on in recovery. What advice do you have to give others that are listening uh, who are new to this? Who, who are, right now, they found us because they got on Google and they searched, you know, how do I get sober? Or something like that. How, what, or, what they, or they just stumbled upon our Instagram. Yeah, or they found our Instagram. Because <laughs> Mike's a beast on Instagram. <laughs> so the question was how... I'm sorry? <clears throat> what advice would you give others <clears throat> as far as for so, a successful recovery? For a successful recovery. I would say um, the most powerful tool is the willingness to become humble enough to ask for help. You're not going to lose anything. There's this, there's this saying um, um, in, in the program that I'm in, um, if it doesn't work for you, you're always welcome to go out and get your misery refunded in full. For free. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So, um, so um, just, just becoming humble enough to ask for help. Also, a sense of curiosity. Um, <clears throat> what I had to end up... Um, by the way, I just wanted to add that when, when I first attempted to, and I use that word on purpose, when I first attempted to fully, you know, recover all at once, um, by what had happened with my employer, um, at the beginning when I decided to, to, to try to become sober, um, I, I, it was, it was a huge failure for me. Well, I can't say it was a huge failure because I got I learned a lot in the amount of time that I did mm -hmm. stay sober. But I, I ended up trying to stay sober to prove to him that I could stay sober, and I and I didn't do it for myself. I literally did it to keep my job, <laughs> and and it didn't work. And no, I didn't keep the job either. But <laughs> but I um <clears throat> but so what what I ended up um and what I still use today um is I need to keep a sense of curiosity to, um, about what, what it's going to be like to be sober. Because in my story, I started um, drinking and using on a regular basis when I was about maybe 15. I'm 49 now. So I don't know what it's like to stay years and years sober. I have no idea. But I do know what it's like to stay drunk and high for years and years and years. I know exactly what it's like. 
it's it's like um, Groundhog Day. Sure. And, <laughs> and, and I've spent enough of that time. So I need to stay humble enough to be able to ask for help when I need help. Um, and I need to stay curious. I wonder what it's going to be like. I, ne I need to look at it like an adventure. Um, even if it turned out to be a rather uneventful, boring day. Well, I'd never had that uneventful, boring day sober before. So I need, I need to stay curious about what it's going to be like to wake up tomorrow and live sober tomorrow. Because I just, I don't have that experience. And frankly, I've just, I've gone through enough of the other days that um, I'm no longer curious about it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> You've seen it. <laughs> I've seen it. So, you know, how, how I, I, I just think it would be, be really, really neat. Um, you know, I've dared to look into the future a little bit, a little ahead of 24 hours sometimes, and think, wow, I wonder what it's like going to be like in a month. <laughs> you know, I wonder what kind of new thing I'll be doing that I never did when I was drunk or high. You know, it's, it's taken me into rock climbing, mountain biking, um, uh, yoga, some pretty intensive yoga, um, and um, just all kinds of new adventures, reading books and asking questions. I even went back to school for a little bit um, and, cool. and found out that I was actually um, uh, educatable. Yeah. <laughs> like, who knew? Teachable. You know, I, can, like, I can learn something. You can learn? You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And um, it's been a ride. It's been, it's been really fun. It hasn't been boring at all. Yeah. No, that's really rad. I'm I'm glad we were able to talk about this. And I my only input on at least on on my side is that I've I've been able to be happy to recognize the things that are around me, you know, and be able to be, you know, there is a way out. There is. And and if anybody is wondering that, like it's there is. And if you really remember of what it was like or before or goals that you're setting for the future, there is a you know, there is a light at the end of the tunnel. There is. If you there tap, is. tap into it and, and it might feel unattainable for a year to a month, two years, three years. I mean, everyone has their own path, their own battle with it. And I think it's just to, you know, kind of the old cliche of to each their own. But I really do believe that people have to find that own feeling of what's going to make it work for them. Sure. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Just take recovery and make it your own. Take, 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 what you can get from people that you value and leave the rest mm -hmm. and, um, and make it your own recovery story and not someone else's. Right on. Well, we are about out of time. So thanks again, Kevin. Yeah. We'll have you back on. on. You, oh, yeah, you're, you're a good candidate. We're going yeah. to use you again. We may future. even bring you on next week. Who knows? <laughs> right on. All right. Okay. Well, thanks again. And we are uh, out of time. So yeah. until next time. Episode three, that's a wrap. Thanks again, Kevin. And thanks yep, guys. We're out of here.